Welcome to Hempire. I'm your host, Gabby Boudreaux, co-founder of Divine Elements. Thanks for joining us today. Our guest today is the first female hemp farmer in North Carolina in over 75 years. She entered the hemp scene with a force behind education and collaborations. She is now considered one of the preeminent experts of all things hemp, participates in the hemp research trials at the University of North Carolina. She has a TEDx speech on hemp and is a founding member of the Women in Hemp nonprofit. She has degrees and work experience in forestry and education and worked in the pharmaceutical industry for over a decade prior to transitioning into the cannabis space. She is the CEO of Franny's Pharmacy, a multi-location hemp dispensary. Miss Franny Tacey is a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome to Hempfire. Well, thanks for inviting me, Gabby. I'm excited to be here with you. Of course. And we are thrilled to have you here. So Tell me a little bit about Franny's Pharmacy. How did you get started growing hemp? Being the first female hemp farmer in North Carolina in over 75 years, that is, I mean, that's amazing. Congratulations. And how did it turn into owning multiple hemp dispensaries? Well, first of all, there's one word we forget to put in that, and that's legal hemp farmer in 75 years. That, yeah. Um, <laughs> I was, I have been blessed and I grew up with parents. My mother was a big financial planner and my father was a farmer. So when they divorced at a young age, I spent lots of time on a farm, always knew I wanted to farm. When I was in the pharmaceutical industry, I, I told them, they called me the hippie in high heels. I was like, I'm out. My days in this unhealth care industry are numbered. I am going pharma to farm, pharma to farm. Well, I mean, three years it took through all the planning. I looked at over 90 farms to buy a farm and actually transition my family to a farm. So we were in Asheville City. So this started way before hemp. And that was in 2012, bought the farm, a regenerative ag farm. Nobody had even heard the words then. They were like, who is she and what does she speak of? Uh, but it took almost five years working in the pharmaceutical industry as I started my farm to be able to even quit. And that all happened when, you know, I big into all things farming was at a conference speaking about the business of farming, but had been an entrepreneur many a times. And I saw a little sign that said, let farmers grow hemp. And then everything changed. Our state had to raise $200,000, organize with the university, set up a hemp commission. North Carolina is the only state that funded their own program. Across the country, the states have gotten behind this. This was the only state the farmers did. So I got behind that within another year, we had achieved everything. And at 11.59, they passed the bill after re rejecting it five times and said, great, you can grow hemp. Three weeks before the seed was supposed to be in the ground. And I said, oh, well, here we go. So I leaped. And after that, you know, that just started the whole branch into a new story. The first year I grew for food and fiber set up all this research, did all this data. 
and recognizing where the business and industry was the second year transition to CBD. And now three years later have 10 dispensaries in five states. We're franchising, um, getting a whole lot of press about how progressive and these interesting things we're doing in business. That's so. an incredible story. Cool. Wow. So you, it's crazy. You went from big pharma to farm, which is like a total, seems to be a total 180. And you said that you were called, was it the hippie in high heels in the pharmaceutical yep. industry? I love oh, it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So yeah, you did like a total 180. And how, like, how was that? I mean, were you, was there one certain thing or just a culmination of things that inspired you to go from pharmaceutical to farming hemp, or was it just the perfect opportunities lined up for you? How, how, how did that idea become for you? It's really interesting because it becomes a lifetime of stories. And then you look back and you pick out the highlights. Uh, When I was 20 years old in forestry school in Flagstaff, Arizona, um, I read The Emperor Wears No Clothes and all of a sudden had this completely new perspective on cannabis of which I consume daily to make my 4.0 and have scholarships. Yeah. You know, it was not even, I didn't use it recreationally back then. And to read this book, everything, I was like, what? They make rope out of it? Damn. (laughs) And then, you know, a decade later, I worked for the Forest Service, you know, all this stuff comes around, you know, and it's, I've always been a supporter of cannabis, always very much into health and wellness. And it really just all happened. And when we got the bill passed, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Cause up to that point, I still didn't know if I was ever even going to plant. I was thinking I might have 10, 20 plants, you know, in my closet, like we used to do, but out in the open now. And, you know, it was, oh, well, I set it all up. I thought somebody would step up and nobody did. So I had to. Wow. Like, okay. oh, put yeah, your money this, where your mouth is, sister. Right. <laughs> so this piece of legislation passed and this huge, beautiful opportunity arose for you. And you just took the bull by the horns is what it sounds like and went to town. And now you have, is it five um, hemp dispensaries or 10? So we have 10, some of them are under construction and Charlotte, North Carolina will be the next one to open uh, late August. So we're super excited. Oh my gosh, that is so awesome. You know, I love seeing female and minority owned um, cannabis and hemp businesses and brands on the forefront. And I feel like the industry is becoming more and more inclusive and it's it's a really great thing to see. We need to support each other, um, especially, you know, other brands and businesses that we believe in and other initiatives that we believe in or we've had a positive experience with. And I think we're going to see a lot more female-owned businesses specifically and female-owned brands specifically begin to really take the reins in the cannabis and hemp industries. Uh, how does it feel being a female leader in this progressive industry? Okay, first of all, you just gave me chills with everything you said, because this next franchise in Charlotte is our first female-owned franchise. Woo! She is dynamic, amazing, and then the next one will be popping up in Virginia. Awesome. And it's really been an interesting road, even in the business, because when I came onto the scene, I was really did a lot behind the education and formulating our products, was on the manufacturing side of it. 
and you know allowed somebody else to be a lot a lot of the business operations. Well, I took over um, six months ago this year as the CEO of all my businesses. I am in the thick of it. Turned a lot of the farming stuff over. We have this women in hemp nonprofit. In there, we're helping researchers. Five female researchers have been on that hemp team. They so got it going. And it is the most beautiful, amazing, empowering thing to see how women work and operate in this industry because so much is changing. And it's they're great connectors. And so we all seek to find people that we attract. Um, that it's, they're mirrors for us. So it just happens to be that I've lived and studied in a lot of different places. So I'm, I call myself a global citizen. And what we have represented in our franchise owners, these amazing business women, the two females, super excited. I have an African-American veteran that Franklin, that is an amazing man out of Augusta, a pharmacist, another businessman, you know, the it really becomes where, like for our brand, what is happening in this industry, Franny stands for this brand. I mean, you can't not know us if you buy a product or if you've ever seen us. I mean, like we're a brand that I stand behind. And in our unregulated industry, it's so important. People trust women. I am as transparent and trustworthy. I work for the Forest Service. I was a school teacher, you know, we're the connectors. We look at really helping and walking and speaking our talk. It's just so great to see, you know, in Virginia, we're really involved in legislation there. They're announcing today about legalization. Um, what that path looks for them to get through the bill is there has to be minorities that are farming you know, to see the social justice and the implementation as we are releasing, you know, the last prisoner project, let our people go. That's right. And we've been one of the companies that has actually employed somebody that was incarcerated for cannabis. Good. You know, there, there is, we're changing the world right now, Gabby. Everything we do. Like, That's right. Cannabis can heal the world. Yeah. I, I, I spoke to, uh, I've had the, uh, a, conver- a similar conversation before with um, a lovely a lovely woman, uh, Dr. Rachel Knox. I always refer to her. I'm like, I fangirl about her all the time. But she, um, you know, she was saying that between uh, psychedelics and cannabis, we can literally heal the world <laughs> from on so many different levels because this plant it's so beautiful it, it's it's female you know and the it, it comes from mother nature and that feminine energy and you know just the the mother energy it it really has an effect especially when there's a lot of chaos happening like happened last year and is still kind of trickling into this year um i i totally agree with you in that statement i think that we can heal the world with cannabis it's just it's such a beautiful medicine it's a beautiful plant i think everyone should have access to it and i love what you guys are doing and hemp also you know i I consider hemp you know a a subspecies of cannabis so i just refer to it as cannabis but hemp and cannabis i think everyone should have access to it i think everyone should have access to clean cannabis and clean cbd and so that's why i really want to know a little bit more about uh, what you guys are doing because you know for my for my brand for me personally it's super critical that our our products are made 
with, you know, the cleanest raw materials. We don't use any artificial mm-hmm. flavorings. We use essential oils and right. natural flavors. It's produced in a GMP certified facility, FDA approved, all these things, you know, the list goes on and on. And so those are just a couple of, of our standards for, for divine elements for our brand. But I want to know why to you, why is it so important that um, the people have access to clean and compliant cannabis and CBD products? I mean, this is so, so important, and I absolutely agree. I do want to say the one component to cannabis and psychedelics changing the world, and the most important thing, these come from our ground and from soil. So we have to heal our world through our farms and our earth, too. I'm huge into agriculture. But that is what makes our motto, when we say seed to shelf, hemp and health, it's our network of farmers. We're going to be the first to come out with three-year trials of hemp research. And let me tell you, if anybody says it, it's going to be the first in history of one variety that's ever been grown for three years outdoors in all sorts of settings. So everything, we were the first people in our state and in the Southeast to QR code and to do tracking on our products. We have a GMPC facility, global good manufacturing practices of which still 80% of the products out there are not being made in GMPC facilities. It's frightening. You know, and even to the point, our our farm has Utopian Seed Project on it, which is a huge, um, all about native regenerative plants that grows our herbs that belong in our product line. I mean, we are, you can go and visit and stay on our farm and see what is happening. We do tours. So we control the entire supply chain. I came from pharmaceuticals, geek out, just, you know, I'm a total nerd. I love to nerd out and I've always been in science and research. So, you know, I did all the manufacturing of this product. Their source, we do not, I mean, even fair trade source to our coconut oil, you know, anything that we're using, we're not going to kill orangutans or, you know, um, and then we distribute it all and we're using implementing fair trade packaging any and everywhere we can. It is super important. Beautiful. And when the FDA did that trial, they pulled 84 products and only 24 even had CBD in it. We're right. still in a buyer beware. Buyer beware. Somebody's got to trust a brand. Beautiful, beautiful. I love it. I love the ethical standards and the consumer safety um, component that you guys focus on. It's so important. Um, In CBD, like you just mentioned, you know, the FDA did the, they're pulling brands left and right and testing products. And it's sad to say because it it really gives our industry a, a bad look, but probably close to 75, 80%, you know, across the board. And they only tested, you know, less than a hundred products, but it's probably true across the board that there are only about 20 to 25% of brands that are actually giving consistent, accurate concentrations of CBD compliant with um, THC concentrations that are, you know, um, free of unwanted contaminants and that actually test their products. And it's just, it's like you're saying, it's buyer beware. You need to really do your due diligence when you are buying products for yourself or for your loved ones. Um, It's so important. So I love that you guys um, have so much focus on that. And uh, I really want to know a little bit more about your your growing process also, uh, because I just love the seed to sale model and how you guys do it. And so can you give us a little peek into um, what the growing harvesting production of CBD products from seed to sale looks like? How exactly does it go down? What 
what would the uh, creation of a CD, CBD product lifestyle kind of look like from, from seed to sale? I mean, ours is pretty easy. We're growing a specific variety by specific geneticists. So Triangle Hemp grows Bayox. That's in the trials. That's what our farmers grow. They're being, you know, record keeping. So the PhD student is on the trials farms during the growing season. We plant Mother's Day is always a great, the mother of all plants. <laughs> She's the goddess plant is a really good day. We grow outdoors, which is another part of the trial, sun grown. So, and it's all we do because we're growing masses for our biomass. It's one harvest. So everybody's in the cycle together. They plant in May. We harvest depending on the weather, sometime in September, then the drying curing goes. We source our top cut flower, we have bud bars. So you walk in like any dispensary, there's a variety. We have strain of the month people can sign up for. That we source that from farmers. And that's a really another big important heartfelt part of my journey is as I've turned over a lot of the farming on our farm at Franny's farm, we now have a hemp garden and a hemp history tour and our growers are doing all that hard work because I was in the field doing, I was the one in the field doing the research the first years and that was great, but I kind of had to take over the businesses I started. Um, and so it's beautiful. It's this really six months intensive from planting and because it's all streamlined for us, you know, the researchers pick up the clones and they go deliver them to all the farms and everybody plants at the same time. It's really, wow. you know, all of that. And then done, you know, you put it into the supply chain and focus on other parts of your business. Wow. I, I love it. And sure. what's the goal of this, of this uh, three-year research plan that you guys have started? What, what are you guys hoping to find out? So there are several different components of it. Plasticulture trial is one of them because we want to figure out in mass harvesting, does the silver plastic, that re, does it really repel aphids? Is it really worth it? Is it better because it protects erosion? So we have these trials conducted in different, different parts of the state and even in multiple states. Red is a very common plastic used in mass agriculture for um, tomatoes is does red plastic actually work, you know? And is it worth it doing the weed reduction? So there's a lot of the anecdotal that comes from the farmer's aspect because weeds are really a thing when you grow weed. Uh, we want yeah. the right weed growing. <laughs> right. So it's super researchy and nerdy and all these things, but it's very important because anybody can do something great once. And then there's so many people that went out and they just sucked the first time okay that is what happens most of the time and there's all the drama oh what do I do you spend six months and uh fifty thousand dollars it's an expensive crop and all this time and you got nothing right, you got right. nothing you let that mold ain't nobody buying it it's done yep. you have a hurricane that comes through there's no crop insurance it's done you know the risk it's it's really interesting, but it's super great. So now since we had extension services in it, all the experts in that field are really doing it. So under the extension services, it's under new crop research. They know all the growers and the farmers now and are putting them in the network. 
we're just buying the best crop that and in our criteria it has to have these checks come from our breeders be in the research program da 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 sometimes we buy from multiples we don't guarantee we're going to buy everything you grow because it's all based on your test results at the end correct we've had several that came up we had 11 farmers that grew one year um, and two of them and this is when I was still intensely managing the project and two of them ended up not passing the pesticide test and we know it was grown organically and we tested the soil on the front end but hemp is a bioremediator all cannabis is so it's really interesting but when we talk about growth my favorite part of what growth is is what I was really telling you about the growth of our business because what it means is we're reaching more people and helping more people. And that's what real growth is. And that's where my heart is in the invisible impact. So after, you know, writing revival of retail, y'all reached out and we're like, this is really interesting. Y'all who finance, um, business journal, they're all reaching out and they're like, wait, what a second, you're doing this in franchising. This is not the traditional model we've seen. Because this is what women do when they franchise. Guess what? COVID happened. Pre-COVID and post-COVID are happening. There's no return to the normal that everybody's saying. Right now, if you got brick and mortar, you'd be really good to have an online business as well. So as Franny's emerged out of COVID and as I took over as CEO, We've just announced in our franchises, we've rolled out whole new programs so that they are now getting 10% of the online business that they bring. Unheard of in franchising. They give you zip codes, right? You know, they give you a zip code. Anybody that orders in this zip code is either going to come in your store or order online and that's what you get. Now we say, great, your cousins that, I mean, again, I'm a global citizen. I know people all over the country that buy from us. So does like, Franklin, the owner of Augusta, he's like, I was in the military. I've lived everywhere. There's such a need. He's an incredible voice for veterans and PTSD and anxiety. He now gets to build his network all over the country. And that's what's really exciting in growth is to grow other people's business, you know, and to grow them with roots, you know, a foundation so that they're there for years to come because out of COVID, we saw 85% of CBD businesses, hemp businesses, and marijuana on that side of cannabis still was able to thrive, but really hurt when those doors were shut. So, yeah, yeah I think it's beautiful. I love what you guys are doing. Um, and it sounds like you were really trying to refine your cultivation practices through this research, um, which I think is great. It'll help um, farmers in the, in the short, long, uh, short run and the long run uh, with you guys and just in general. And so I'm really excited and eager to, um, to see what comes of that. And I love what you guys are doing with your business model. I'm so happy that there are more minority and female business owners that you guys are working with. And it just seems like it's kind of starting to snowball. So it's really exciting. And um, like you're saying, you know, you are, you, you like to nerd out on the, you know, the science of growing and, and it seems like you're really passionate about growing hemp and um, agriculture in general, um, just from what I watched um, on your TEDx talk. And so I mean, hemp has so many uses, you know, like you said, it's a bioremediator. It's one of the largest CO2 to biomass conversion tools on the planet. Um, it's yep. just an incredible renewable resource. Uh, so 
I mean, coming from your, you have a good stance in the hemp, you know, industry right now, especially in terms of cultivation. Where do you see the future of CBD and the hemp industry growing from here? Well, this is what I just love. And in that TED talk, people will be like this. I love the comments. They're like, this seems like 1980s. And I was like, I know that three years ago does seem like the 1980s. It was illegal then. Um, and I talked about it then and I still talk about it now. I'm convinced and I know what the future is. We are going to see in the Midwest, hemp is about to change our agro economy and our country forever. Just as we saw corn, corn will be substituted with hemp, but hemp for fiber. And because that is the bioremediator, there have been a lot of tests about how it is that's what can be grown in the Midwest, where we have dust bowls, where we've lost all our topsoils, where we have to regenerate our land in order to continue to live off our land. And so hemp for fiber and for textiles and is going, that's going to be a huge industry in this next decade, because we in America can lead that charge. We do it all the time in technology, we have, I mean, so embedded with all this, we have hemp guitars, all these prototypes, my briefcase, everything, plastics. Mm -hmm. That is where mass agriculture is gonna be. Hemp for CBD and marijuana, um, I mean, cannabis for hemp and marijuana are going to remain what I call horticulture. We're doing these field trials, but there still will be like, 50 to 100. It's very small scale when you look at agriculture. And horticulturally, because these crops can be grown indoors, we're going to see a revival of a lot of small businesses that can specialize in their, their flower. You know, like growing top cut smokable flower is a great boutique industry and viable. So, I mean, it's changing everything. Food oh, yeah. is going to be is is huge as well you know every single industry this is why we've i just came out in the cooking with cannabis cookbook i cook with cannabis all the days um our corporate chef is a cannabis chef that does all our corporate events i wear hemp clothes 70 mm, percent of the time so every single industry watching it evolve and these are my friends and partners and people because there was just a few of us that that got in this on the get-go yeah hemp can be ubiquitous i mean it's it's so it's so needed in america it's so diverse and it's uses like you just mentioned you know probably close to 25 of them and there's the list doesn't stop i mean it's just so diverse yeah. and it 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 can help um, American farmers and it can in turn help the American economy. It has all these downstream effects, um, you know, for a healthy and productive ag agriculture um, for this country. What I want to know a little bit more of just because, you know, you're, you're so passionate about, you know, the agriculture part of this and how can, how can American farmers um, start getting into hemp and, and why, why may they want to do that? How would it benefit them? Well, the first step always, 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 if you're interested in any farmer, any state, anywhere, is to go to your local extension agent 
and whatever your state is, so I live in North Carolina, it's NCDA, North Carolina Department of Agriculture, TNDA, Tennessee Department of Agriculture. Go to your Department of Agriculture. They are running your local hemp programs. They will be able to put you in touch with everybody. Each state still has some different regulations, even though it's federally legal, you can plant in any state. But those are your first two points of contact absolutely all the time. They're gonna know who everybody involved in your community. I always say it's a revival of communities. You need to keep it tight. You need your clone person. You get, need to get clones from somebody you know are reputable. Your processor, your supply chain, who are you gonna to sell to? You need to start all that within your community. That's how your business grows. So you wanna reach out locally first if you're interested in, in farming hemp. Um, reach out to your local Department of Agriculture, and they will be a great resource for you. And from what it sounds like, it could be a really beautiful thing, um, but it's really great uh, to have help along the way and not to just, you know, order some hemp seeds and throw them in the ground and hope for the best. Because like you said, there are so many variables and you, you know, it, it can be very risky. And uh, there's, you know, at least as far as I'm aware, no uh, crop insurance for hemp yet. Maybe there is um, some, I know that the insurance at least there's insurance companies and agencies that we found that are helping to progress the cannabis side of things and the hemp side of things. So um, it can be risky, but it's it's good to reach out to resources like the local Department yeah. of Agriculture to, to really make sure you're doing it, you know, the right way for and, yourself. Yeah. And just to be clear, it even though it's federally legal, every single person that grows this does have to have a license. So you have to start with your Department of Agriculture to apply and get that license. Although it's it's fairly easy and in every state it's less than $500. Right. It's, you know. Right, yeah. No, it's it's a great, it's, just, it's such a great crop and it has so many uses and it's so diverse. And, and we just, I mean, like you guys over there, we're just so passionate about it and all of the potential therapeutic properties that hemp and cannabis both have. Um, we just, we need to see more of it. And, you know, like we said earlier, hemp and cannabis can heal the world. So we need more of it. And I love what you guys are doing. I'm so happy that I um, found out about you guys and that you were able to come on the show. We've run out of time today, but I was, I'm so happy that you were able to come on the show. Please, thank you so much for being here. Well, it is such a pleasure to be in here with you, talking with you, Gabby. We've got so much great stuff we covered. And people can find out more. I would love for y'all, everybody to follow me, Franny Tacy. We have Franny's Farm, where it all started. And then Franny's Pharmacy. We are .com. We are all over the internet and social media. And Pharmacy is F-A-R-M-A-C-Y, because we're putting the farm back in Pharmacy. That's right. Franny's Pharmacy, F-A-R-M-A-C-Y. So thank you so much for being here today, Franny. I also want to thank our producers as well as Divine Element CBD for making this show possible. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, join us again next week for another episode of Hempire. And until then, stay well, keep learning, and we'll talk to you all soon.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.